I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome to News Du Jour. You may be wondering, why am I here hosting this podcast? Well, you see, I usually start by telling people I'm a political baby. My parents met working on Capitol Hill. By the time I was two, I had been in my first political commercial and even got lost crawling around the West Wing. Don't worry, Al Gore found me. My family moved abroad when I was nine, and I attended an international school with kids from all over the world. And it's this type of global perspective that I also bring to our show. I graduated from American University after studying political science and art history, as well as interning on both sides of Capitol Hill. And now I'm even pursuing a professional certificate in journalism from NYU in conjunction with Rolling Stone magazine. I guess I was always that friend in the friend group who cared deeply about what was going on, not just politically, but also globally. I kept my friends informed through high school and into young adulthood, so I guess I've always done a version of this show. I'm genuinely passionate about following the news, and I'm here to break it down for you guys every weekday. We strive to be a calmer space to consume the news, or as one listener put it, like getting your news from your well-informed bestie. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, guys, so today we have two mini stories here at the top, and then we have a bunch of catching up to do because basically I had some issues with our hosting platform uh, the towards the end of last week, Thursday and Friday. So Thursday's episode only went live, I think, midday on Friday. So long story short, because of the technical issues, I just went ahead and canceled on Friday. I didn't want to write an entire episode and then not be able to upload it for you guys. And it ended up that my baby was getting very, very sick that night. Um, He had some type of a stomach bug, no doubt from daycare. Um, And he infected my husband, but not me. So I feel like I dodged a bullet a little bit because I'm usually the one sick. But I was playing nursemaid all weekend starting Thursday afternoon. So it has been very crazy here at the Bulls household. So there's a lot to catch you guys up on. Let's jump in. So first and foremost, the man who stabbed Derek Chauvin in prison will be charged with attempted murder. He reportedly stabbed Derek Chauvin 22 times. Now, there's not a lot of information out there about who this person is or why they may have done this, but we will definitely keep you guys posted if we get more information on his background and what exactly happened. What I do know is that he was stabbed while studying at the law library. And for our second mini story today, the gag order remains in place. That's right. Donald Trump appealed the gag order that he faces and he lost. So it will remain in order. 
Now, keep in mind, wasting time serves Trump. So even though he lost, he still won in the sense that he staved off the results of this court proceeding a little bit longer. He needs to buy himself as much time as possible in order to maintain that public image and attempt to win back the White House. He currently owes $15,000 in fines for violating this gag order alone. For our first longer story today, we are, of course, covering the passing of Sandra Day O'Connor. This woman was a legend and a trailblazer. She was the very first woman to ever sit on the U.S. Supreme Court. She was born in Texas to a rancher, but she went on to regularly be referred to as the most powerful woman in America. She graduated from Stanford Law, where she was top of her class, and also where she met her husband, John J. O'Connor III. She was only given a secretarial position, though, when she first entered the legal profession, despite the fact that she was at the top of her class. She then worked her way up to winning an election for an Arizona state court judgeship in 1974. After that, she ran for election in Arizona in the state Senate and won twice, eventually becoming majority leader in 1972. No woman had ever won that seat prior. Ronald Reagan then named her to the Supreme Court in 1981. She had been active in Republican politics for decades, but she was also known to have friends and admirers in both parties. She was 51 at the time of her appointment. Her reputation was really that of a moderate overall, but leaning conservative. She was often the tiebreaker in important Supreme Court decisions that made history and some of which are still in place today. That said, she was replaced on the bench with a man by the name of Samuel A. Alito, who systematically overturned a number of her decisions, so much so that the public caught on and she was actually asked about it once directly in 2009, to which she responded, well, how would you feel? She had left the court and ventured into retirement in 2018 due to the early onset of dementia and likely Alzheimer's disease. Her husband actually died of the same condition in 2009. The New York Times actually reported in her obituary that she would actually bring him to work with her due to the fact that he couldn't be left alone in their apartment. It must have been really hard for her to be diagnosed with the same condition that she had watched her husband struggle with. But she continued her work into retirement, still doing some public speaking and writing. She will be remembered as a woman who broke the glass ceiling and truly made room for all of us at the top. May she rest in peace. And next up for today, (laughs) I have to laugh, you guys. This is where it gets silly. Governor Ron DeSantis and Governor Gavin Newsom debate. Why? Well, this is kind of anyone's guess. I suppose, if anything, it was kind of an effort for both sides to set what they see as the record straight. You see, Governor Gavin Newsom has been the target of Republican finger pointing for quite some time. 
He is someone high profile who they can say, look, look how he's running his state. Aren't Democrats crazy? And Newsom believes that a lot of what Republicans are saying about him and his administration just isn't true. So in an attempt to set the record straight, he agreed to a debate with DeSantis on Fox News. When asked why he was taking part, Newsom said, quote, to tell the truth about the Biden-Harris record and also compare and contrast Ron DeSantis's record, end quote. It's also likely that Governor Gavin Newsom will run for president in the future. He has been tapped as an option as sort of a backup plan, and this could serve as almost like a little bit of a primer for something like that to see how he fares on, you know, a nationwide stage. He spent the whole night emphasizing that he's not running in 2024, but singing the praises of the Biden administration, and that definitely makes it look like he's setting the stage for a future run or to potentially be waiting in the wings as a backup plan should anything with Biden's health take a bad turn. Either way, he's definitely raising his public profile by being on this national stage. When it comes to DeSantis, he is obviously debating because he is promoting his run for president. He also does not have that much to lose at this point with the Koch brothers throwing their weight behind Nikki Haley. DeSantis now kind of finds himself in the third position, you know, a step down from where he had been previously. So he's wanting to look like he's daring enough to take on Democrats directly by participating in a face-off with Governor Gavin Newsom. It's hard to say if either camp really made progress on their goals here, but one thing's for sure. Newsom was able to have a lot more free reign to talk, given that he is not running for president right now. He wasn't hindered by having to kind of color inside the lines, if that makes sense, you know, working to not offend any particular voters. It was a strange kind of debate, though, not one that I'd ever heard of before to governors from separate states debating, but With Trump kind of bowing out of the typical debate process, maybe that's giving us some room for little shakeups in this area. It would be fun to see more random mashups like this in the future, or at least fun for a political nerd like me who will never miss a debate and always watch it with a vat of popcorn and a fat glass of red wine. And next up for today, George Santos was removed from Congress. So this obviously is not unexpected. We've been talking about this for months, but Congressman George Santos was officially kicked out of Congress on Friday. 311 lawmakers voted to expel him, and he became the sixth congressman ever to be expelled. It's a serious deal and one that many members do not want to normalize taking part in. You see, they all have skeletons in their closet at the end of the day, and they worry that expelling members could kind of devolve into movements to expel members for much smaller infractions and basically become like a tit for tat kind of game. So these members really acted carefully. You know, they conducted an investigation, they produced a report, and the evidence was so damning that they were willing to go through with it and expel him. 
in case you missed it, some of the highlights of this report included campaign contributions being used to pay his rent on an Hermes shopping spree, over $1,000 worth of Botox, and wait for it, OnlyFans. Maybe that's the one that put it over the top. What do you guys think? Which was the which was the worst offense among those expenses? I'll let you guys decide. And last up for today, we are going to cover some updates in the situation unfolding between Israel and Gaza. Let's jump in. Content warning here. This story involves war. So I wanted to let you guys know that a few more hostages were released. Um, Fortunately, they were released Thursday night safely. A group of eight made up of six women and two teenagers, according to the New York Times. One of the hostages, an Israeli-French dual citizen, was reportedly operated on by a veterinarian while being held captive, according to Business Insider. And with that, though, this is what looks like the last round of hostages being released for now. There were hopes of continuing this ceasefire on for a few more days and then maybe even further as both sides were making progress in their separate goals. But somewhere along the way, the two sides were unable to come to a consensus about something and the fighting started up again when Hamas fired rockets into Israel, according to NPR, New York Times, Reuters and more. Israel then resumed their firing into Gaza. The New York Times reported that Israel actually knew about Hamas's attack for over a year in advance. And this is obviously very upsetting, uh, very upsetting news, very upsetting revelation. It's something that has been suggested since October the 7th, but this report coming out really seems to confirm it. It seems that Israeli leadership dismissed the the attack as quote unquote aspirational, which that is a really crazy choice of words there. But you get what they mean. Israel never thought that Hamas would be able to pull off something like October the 7th. But the New York Times claims to have documents, emails, interviews proving that the government knew of Hamas's plan. They even had a code name for it, calling it Jericho Wall. And unfortunately, Hamas carried out their October 7th attacks exactly as those blueprints had laid out. The blueprints Israeli military officials said were, quote, totally imaginative, end quote, according to the New York Times. The plans also show that the intention behind this attack was to provoke a war. That is what they wanted. Israel played directly into their hands and responded exactly in the way that they'd hoped Israel would. And that is obviously at the complete peril of the Gazan people. Israel security officials are already commissioning a study of the events that led up to this attack in order to put safeguards in place towards preventing such an attack in the future. October 7th was Israel's deadliest day since its founding. And lastly, Blinken advocates for a clear plan that protects civilians in Gaza. So Antony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, has been a very busy boy. 
he has been jet setting all over the world, all over the Middle East to try and stabilize things. And the man looks tired, TBH. But one of the things that he is publicly emphasizing is that Netanyahu and his military need to do everything they can to protect innocent civilians in Gaza and not just protect them from bombs and bullets, but also making sure they have access to clean water, food and medical aid that is flowing in from around the world. He's not saying that American aid is contingent on any specifics, but someone of this profile making a statement like this publicly, not behind closed doors, but to the public, he's letting the Israeli government know that the U.S. doesn't stand behind what U.S. lawmakers have called, quote, indiscriminate bombing, end quote, and leveling 45 percent of Gaza. He wants to make sure that the people of Gaza are a priority because there are innocent lives in between these two parties who are fighting a war. And that for today is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever could. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar free media and that is also linked in our show notes you can follow us on social media at news du jour dot podcast on both instagram and tiktok you can follow my personal account at it's annie bowls on both platforms as well any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup he has a little separation anxiety and always records with me We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh. Oh.